Welcome to Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. Our mission is to take the Word of God to all the world. Our Bible teacher today is Evangelist Micah McCurry. Since 1938, Bible Tracts Incorporated has been publishing clear gospel tracts and supplying them to churches and individuals all over the world and all at no charge. Information on how you can receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks will be given at the end of this broadcast. And now for our Bible study, here is Evangelist Micah McCurry. The three verses that stand out in my thinking, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Isaiah 1:18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 1:15, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The voice you just heard was a man named Don Price. I'm Michael McCurry, and this is Bible Tract Echoes. We are blessed with a goodly heritage. You've probably, if you've been a listener of this program for any length of time, you've likely heard me say that. But it's not just the legacy of our founder, Dr. Paul Levine, not just the history of my predecessor, Pastor Mark Smith, but it's also looking back at the heritage behind the stories of some of our gospel tract, and Don Price's story is the story behind one of our most popular gospel tracts called Transformed. This amazing gospel tract has seen countless numbers of people come to know Christ. Don Price has an incredible story. We'll hear more from him in just a moment. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to open your hearts, but also tune your ears. From decades past, we're going to hear an old interview of Don Price telling his own personal story of what God did in his life. We'll hear the first half today and the second tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to listen intently now as Mr. Don Price tells the story that we've immortalized in this gospel track called Transformed. I've not always had the same attitude that I have today concerning the things of Christ or the Bible or God. I started out early in my life making decisions and seemed like I made all the wrong ones. I was born in a bootlegger's home in Indianapolis, Indiana. Just a boy of four or five years old, I saw the bribe-taking policeman come into our home, receive a bribe from my father and my uncle. And when they would leave, I'd hear my father say something like this. It's been an expensive day, let's take a drink and forget it. And my uncle would say expensive, it's better to grease the hand of a copper than it is to do a rap for bootlegging. And my father would say, yeah, but these fellows are taking all the profit out of the business. If I wasn't so honest, I'd join the police force. I heard that over and over again. No one told me that there were thousands of honest policemen. No one told me that they were our friends. No one said that they would lay down their life for my person or my property, that they were a community service. No, they were our enemies. I was sent around several blocks in our neighborhood with an older brother to find out there was a certain kind of a car there, how many men were in it, and we'd report back. If that car was there, it wasn't too long before the federal men would kick the door off in the hinges trying to get enough liquor to send my father and my uncle away to prison. Later on, an uncle of mine was shot down the payroll, robbery and killed. I heard my father say some trigger-happy cops shot him down. 
There was a great deal of resentment in my heart and mind towards the law enforcement. I loved my uncle. Later on, my own father was shot down and sent away to prison. Five years, Michigan City, Indiana prison. There was a divorce in the family, and four of us children were placed out in different homes. One brother was adopted out. I went to live with a grandfather and a step-grandmother. My grandfather professed to be an infidel. He said, there is no God. He was very strict in discipline in certain things. He wasn't too strict when it came to the drinking. He thought you ought to learn how to drink while you were young so you know how to hold it when you got older. Well, it didn't work that way for me. It held on to me by the time I was in my early teens. There's some verses in the Bible that I wish someone had taught me as a boy and I would have applied them to my life. Proverbs, the 20th chapter, verses 1 and 2. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's like the fear of the king and the roaring of a lion. Whosoever provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. Can you imagine a man or a woman or a boy or a girl using strong drink and agitating the lion until it reaches the peak of its anger and then walking right in the mouth of that lion? What do you suppose would happen? Well, the lion would tear, tear that person into shreds. You know that. And the Bible says strong drink is just like that. Fool with it long enough. Agitate yourself with it long enough. It'll rob you of every virtue that you have. It'll break you in body, mind, and spirit. In the 23rd chapter, Proverbs, there are three verses that stand out in my thinking there. It gives a principle concerning strong drink. The question is asked, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed drink. And here's the principle in verse 31 of Proverbs 29. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it moveth itself right in the cup, and at last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Strong drink had a hold of me early in my teens. I was tired of living with my grandfather, and so I left. Being on the south side of Indianapolis, a place called Irish Hill, you could find all sorts of crime there, gambling, bootlegging, prostitution, all that went along with it, and I was involved. The Second World War came along and interrupted my crime. I went through the Second World War with the 2nd Infantry Division as a 30 caliber machine gunner. Men died all around me. I suppose uh, I had foxhole religion while I was over there. I bargained if there was a God in heaven, get me through this, and let me get back to America and kiss the good old American soil. No one heard me pray, but if there was a God in heaven, I was bargaining with him. And I went through the war without a scratch, wound up in Pilsen, Czechoslovakia. The United States government rolled out the Pilsen beer the, and the cognac, and I stayed drunk for about 30 days. Back to the United States of America, I had a 30-day recuperation furlough. Most of that time, I spent drinking. I sobered up long enough because a girl came into my life to go out with her, and it was a few months later that uh, Lydia and I were married. Lydia was young and beautiful. And Lydia said that if we got married, my life would be different. I loved Lydia, and I needed a different life, so we were married. And my life was different, all right. It got worse, not because of her, but because of what I was doing. Because of, on being discharged from the service, my brother and I went out celebrating. And he said, Don, join up with us. I've learned some new ropes since you've been gone. I'll show you how to make a fast buck. I said, what's the new rope? He said, the law calls it breaking and entering, but I call it good business. I said, well, I think I can use some good business. So I found myself involved. The new rope, climb up on top of a building, chop a hole in the roof to get around the bug, the burglar system, slide down on a rope and crack safes. One night on our wedding anniversary, I should have taken Lydia out to dinner. I promised her that I would, but Lydia didn't drink, so I went out celebrating early. Came in contact with some of my old friends in some of the old places, and we were planning a job that night, a burglary. 
And they said, Price, we're going in the Varsity Club at 16th and Pennsylvania Street. We'll be in and out of this place in about 45 minutes with a good haul. And uh, we want to invite you to come along. The good that I would do, I did not. The evil that I did not want to do, I did. I really wanted to say no. Uh, I'm going to take my wife out tonight and celebrate our anniversary. But I didn't. I didn't have enough backbone to say that. I said, uh, I have to go home and pick an argument with the old woman, and I'll meet you later. And so I went home, and I manufactured an argument with the old woman. You know how old she was? 17 years old, and she'd given birth to twin boys just 30 days before that. And I walked out and left Lydia that night. Early the next morning, breaking into Varsity Club, 16th and Pennsylvania Street in the city of Indianapolis. We'd go through a window that night, make a six-foot drop down to the floor. Well, they told me that they knew exactly the time that the police made their rounds. The night watchman had been removed from the job. There were no dogs. This was a lead pipe cinch. And I volunteered bravely to go through the window first. And hanging on the inside, getting ready to make a six-foot drop down to the floor, I found out for some strange reason the night watchman had put, been put back on the job, and he stuck a pistol under my arm and pulled the trigger. A bullet crashed an eighth of an inch of my heart, ricocheted off from the rib, and went down through the lung and lodged on top of the spine. Next morning, the headlines of the newspaper, shameful words, father of 30-day-old twins shot on the north side of the city. I lay in a hospital. I had 11 blood transfusions. They thought I would die, but I lived to stand trial, and a judge sentenced me one day, and I was taken away to prison. In prison, I went from bad to worse. While I was in there, I came in contact with men who uh, told me really how to do things. They'd ask the question, Price, how did you commit that crime? And you'd tell them, and they'd say, well, here's the loophole. If you hadn't committed that crime thus and so, those dumb cops would never have caught you. And the next time, already planned the next time, the next time, do it like this, and those dumb cops will never catch you. But to my amazement, one day, I came to this conclusion. All of those dumb cops were out on the street, and we wise guys were behind prison bars, and that amazed me just a little bit. And the fellows were telling me how to beat the law right in prison with me. Now, I didn't stop my drinking in a prison. We made alcohol out of apples and called it Applejack, out of raisins and called it Raisin Jack, out of potatoes and called it Spud Juice. Uh, the first place I really hit dope was in a prison. I didn't stop stealing in prison. We stole from each other. I didn't stop robbing in there. We robbed each other in prison. And then one day, they showed me they have a jail within a jail. I got into a fight with another man. They said it takes two to make a fight. So off to the hole we went, solitary confinement, a six-by-six six cell, with a 14-inch board to sleep on, a gallon of water a day, and three slices of bread for each meal. Now, the worst punishment that I thought a man could receive was there was an old black man across from me who was reading a Gideon Bible out loud. I didn't know who the Gideons were, and I didn't care. And I didn't go to prison to hear the Bible read. And so I expressed to him what I thought about that. Most of the vocabulary that I used on him I lost a number of years ago. But in essence, I said to him, if you wanted religion, why didn't you get on the outside? You did not have to come to prison to get it. And maybe some of us don't want to hear that Bible read, so why don't you just read to yourself? That didn't stop him. He said, Price, here's one for you. I said, I don't want to hear it. He said, here it is. He that sows to the wind shall reap a whirlwind. I couldn't deny that.
Do you think Don Price cursing out his fellow prisoner was going to be enough to keep that man from continuing to read his Bible and maybe even share some scriptures with Mr. Price? I'll let you be the judge of that, but we'll hear the truth of it directly from Mr. Price tomorrow on the broadcast. Now, I'm going to encourage you, though, maybe, just maybe, you've already been intrigued. You've already been interested. Well, make sure you listen in tomorrow, but go to Bible Tracks, Inc. and order some of this gospel tract ASAP. Go to BibleTracksInc.org, BibleTracksInc.org, and order some of Transformed. It tells Don Price's story and does so in a remarkable way. Of course, oftentimes we'd be hard-pressed to get people to sit down and watch 20-minute video or to hear Don Price's story directly from his own lips, but you very likely could leave a gospel track behind, one like this one I'm holding in my hand called Transformed. So go to BibleTracksInc.org. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you have any questions about our ministry or you'd like a direct link to this particular gospel track, just shoot me a text. You can do so at 309-316-7240. Again, that number is 309-316-7240. Zero. We will hear the second half of Mr. Price's story tomorrow on the broadcast. Before we go, let me encourage you to come to our open house. If you have any questions about it, just shoot me an email at openhouse at bibletracksinc.org. That's openhouse at bibletracksinc.org. September 30th from 1 to 5 p.m. Central Time. We will have a wonderful time together, gathered around some good food, some good fellowship. We'll even record some uh, some episodes of Bible Tract Echoes with a live studio audience. We'd love to see you there. Thank you so very much for listening in. Make sure you conclude your week with us tomorrow on Bible Tracked Echoes. Have a great day for His glory. We'll talk to you very soon. God bless.